Now that's all perfectly clear, right? Doesn't it? It always seems circular. And, and there is a sense where, um, where the, the writings of the time, when I've had the opportunity to, only in translation, my Greek is hopeless, and so I haven't read them in, in the original language, but other letters. Turn that off, it's a bit boomy. Is that better? <laughs> Nobody's saying anything, it means you can't hear me at all. No, it's okay, is it right? Um, the, there's a, a sense where um, all the kind of letters of the time were, were of the same sort. They kind of say something and then they circle, circle around it and then they say it again and again. So it's a, it's a different way of, of thinking and talking. So it's, it's a hard for us to get the hang of it. But last week, I was suggesting that the resurrection, which is the culmination of each of the four Gospels and central to the writings of Paul... And since those texts for us, it becomes the central element of being a Christian. It has to be more than just something that happened in the past and that we kind of think about as a historical event. It has to be more than the story of the British story of King Arthur, which is a story that is very likely to be based in some fact, but there's also plenty of fiction. We don't really know which is which. And it doesn't really matter because, if anything, the story of King Arthur is a kind of an inspirational story, isn't it? You could, it could inspire you by the idea of the Knights of the Round Table, that government should be done in, by no one person, but by all of us together, with no one standing above anyone else. We do it, that's one way of looking at it. Or, if you're a Brexiteer, you might decide that, that the story of King Arthur is the slaying of the, the enemies and the establishment of the kingdom the way it always should be. And you can read plenty of that in the British press. But it all sort of doesn't really matter. It all kind of, it's either a story for inspiration or it's a historical story. But Paul seems to want us to do something much more with it. He was not talking, as I said last week, about Jesus coming back to life. He was talking about the Christ coming to new life. Jesus, if you like, from Paul's point of view, was the experience of God coalesced and present in the life of humanity, focused on one human being. Christ, who Paul seems to use as the term for what happens after the death of Jesus. He uses the word Jesus infrequently in his letters and frequently, a lot of times, uses the word Christ. That Christ is the experience of God as universal divine energy everywhere, a universalizing of God. The particular is Jesus and the universalizing is the Christ. That seems to be the way Paul is talking. I also mentioned the Big Bang last time. The 13.8 is, is currently the, the guess a billion years ago, a beginning of the universe from a moment of nothingness to a moment of everythingness, if you like. And it's, it's kind of analogous with, with the resurrection story. Because the Big Bang isn't something that happened. The Big Bang did not happen. The Big Bang is happening all the time. It's not something that happened back in history that we can't really point to very much, but we're trying with our astrophysicists exploring what happened. It's a present-day reality. 
Everything that exists, exists because of that event then and the ongoingness of it. The universe is expanding. You're getting bigger. It may not be good news for you if you're looking, standing on the scales this morning. But the, the good news is, of course, it's everything's getting bigger so you don't notice it. But you are now a different kind of entity than you were 24 hours ago. You are expanding. The whole universe is growing all the time. And nothing that exists, exists without being permeated with and built from the dust of exploding stars. We, we now know this to be the, our truth. But it's not only a, a thing that happened, it's a thing that is happening. There's the, the neurons that fire in your brain to keep you going, the electricity that's happening is a part of the same energy of that 13.8 billion year ago first explosion. So the Big Bang didn't happen, it is happening. It would be like saying, talking about yourself as being alive in the past, as if you weren't alive now. We can speak about the people we love who have gone, but we can't speak about that about ourselves. It just doesn't make sense. Yes, I was alive in 1983, and these things happened and those things didn't, and, but, but I'm, a living, I'm alive now. It's a constant ongoing process. The energy that was the Big Bang is present in us every moment. Of course, it's present in the most obvious way in the sun. The sun is our most obvious experience of that. The energy that is being radiated from that is what gives the, uh, the life, uh, life to the entire planet. But the Big Bang, if you like, is still banging on. It's still going. And that's what Paul wants us to understand, I think, about the resurrection. It's not a one-off distant event that you can believe. I believe King Arthur was a real character and he did these things. Or I believe King Arthur was a myth, but we can learn a great deal from it. It's not that kind of an experience. And people do talk about the resurrection like that. I can believe in it, or I can't believe in it because it's too far-fetched, or I think I understand it, or I don't understand it, but it doesn't really matter because it's something that happened back then. Paul wants us to know that it's something that is going on all the time. He understood the Christ, this cosmic experience of God everywhere in the world, to be permeating everything all the time. He talks in, uh, both in Galatians and in Romans. There are two other letters that he wrote that we have. We don't have many uh, other letters and, and there's a sense from some of them where, that he wrote more than we have. So we don't really know everything that Paul was thinking. But in both those letters, there's a, 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 he understands the whole of the created order, as we would describe it. Everything that exists has been permeated by God. And that sense that if you look and pay attention enough, he says in Romans, you can see what God is like by what God has made. Because everything is energised with God. And in fact, the very first story we have of our existence is God saying, let us make human beings like us in our own image. Let us make human beings to be like us. In other words, let's make everything, which is what the Big Bang did, to be exactly the same in its essence, permeated with the same material and energy. The story is... is, is put poetically in the first chapter of Genesis, the story that astrophysicists are telling us is just as poetic, it's just using different language, but it's saying the same thing. 
God, which is our name that we've given for the universal energy of everything that is, the personalising of that energy, continually making itself, is if you like, and this is to really butcher the English language, it's as if God is Christing the universe. God is making the universe full of the energy of God. It's an ongoing, unifying experience. And we have a sense of it in ourselves. Whether we watch the news to see war and unrest in another country, or whether we see our politicians badgering at each other in question time in the parliament, or whether we listen outside late at night to hear people across the street shouting in anger as they're fighting with each other, we know what it's like when things are not in unity. And there's lots of other ways of thinking about it. In, within our own experience of friendships and families, with our own experience of ourselves, that morning that you wake up and we say, out of sorts, now, we already know there's something wrong. And you, sometimes you can put your finger on it. You ate too much cheese or drank too much wine last night. Or you went to bed angry with someone or whatever. But we, we know what it's like, that experience, both individually, internally, in our own relationships and across the globe. And we know it's wrong. It just, we know, we sense it. It isn't the way it's supposed to be. So it's, in a sense, we already know the way the world is supposed to be. We already know that desperate need for congruence that we have. I think it's one of the reasons why we both admire and, and are a bit envious of animals. Because when a dog, for example has nothing to do, unless it's a really tiny puppy, you'll probably just lie down and have a sleep. Quite content. When I've got nothing to do, I can think of all the things I should be doing, all the things that are supposed to, um, to be done, and all the things that haven't been done. And, and so I can, when I've got a free moment, rather than feeling free, I can feel oppressed by all the stuff that I'm supposed to be doing as a good person. Animals don't do that. They seem very much at home in their environment. They kind of belong exactly where they are, doing exactly what they're doing, and don't seem to exhibit in, many, in most cases, in an ordinary day, the kind of anxiety that we can do. So we can see it in the world around us. And in many traditions, many traditional understandings of the world, many traditional spiritualities, there's a sense where the earth itself has a purpose and an energy and a kind of personality. In First Nations people of Australia, they can tell stories about different um, features in the landscape that have names and have stories about them. There's the sense where they're imbued with energy and, if you like, almost personality, which is not that far from the story we've been telling ourselves about the Big Bang and about the Resurrection. The Big Bang didn't happen, it is happening. The resurrection didn't happen, it is happening. So much so that you could wake up tomorrow morning 
and bring yourself to a position of recognising that this is a brand new, untouched day in which your life could be glorious, in which some of the things that you've sensed about who it is to be you in the world, the congruence with the world around you, could become real and manifest to you because, in a sense, you have resurrected into a new day. And you could do that this afternoon. We could have any marker that you want. Midday this afternoon, the day is half over, you could be resurrected into a new experience of the godness of the universe in you and everywhere. Even right now, at any moment. And if on the odd chance you don't do it and you fall flat on your face, on the off chance that that happens, you can do it again. Because you're being recreated at every moment. You're being resurrected at every moment as the universe grows and expands and becomes what it could be at every moment. Even in the midst of despair and hopelessness, even in those moments, something can happen and the resurrection become real, alive and full of power in our lives. So be it.